don't sweat the technique. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. One seven seven two. They should have a contest where people off the street can compete for a chance to go up against NBA players in the dunk contest. I've seen non-pros do amazing things. Wouldn't that be kind of like Rocky? Did they pull Rocky off the street to fight Apollo Creed and Rocky won in that exhibition? They, I don't remember how he wasn't he climbing the ranks. I think he. I don't remember exactly. I thought he was just kind of like a journeyman boxer who, like, somebody pulled out and they just threw him into an exhibition with Apollo, and then he held his own. And then yeah, I don't. Like re- I don't. I, it's been career. a while, I guess, since I've seen the original Rocky. Yeah, I can't really remember. Zero two nine four. I like the million dollar idea, but for guys who make thirty forty a million, does it still really matter? I think you put a million dollar at stake for three hour work. I think they would. I think they would care about that. Uh, there's no doubt. Look, I mean, look what you incentivized an entire team to get 500 grand, and you had some, you had LeBron and Anthony Davis playing like it mattered a whole hell of a lot. So you can incentivize them with that for sure. It sucks that that's what it's come to, but that's what it's going to take. Uh, Ocho says, star power or not, there's only so many ways to dunk a ball. There might get one or two per contest that's never been done, but that's not enough to carry an entire contest. That's the thing. We do see, like, it's hard to be innovative now. McClung's past, like, yeah. past to himself was not done before that I've seen, and that was pretty damn impressive. I thought that was the best dunk of the night. Yes. one seven seven two losing team has to get something. If I'm an all-star, I'm not playing for a potentially uh, for potentially free or risking injury. Well, you're, you're you're playing for something. Like you're not you're not going to get anything if you lose, but you get the opportunity to win a million dollars. Like that's pretty significant. Now teams aren't going to like this, but to combat that, destination's going to matter. You're not playing it in Indy if they ain't getting anything for it. You're going to play it in warm weather, vacation-like situations where guys are going to want to go to either let loose or to bring their families. And that's why when the Pro Bowl was in Hawaii, the Pro Bowl got a whole lot more attendance when they were still playing the game because it was Hawaii. So you can't be playing it in Midwest cities in the middle of January and expecting to get the attendance for just airfare and hotel. Yeah, that's true. Adrian, I thought about it and call me crazy, but I think the best way to get them to compete is the winner of every quarter gets a money incentive and winner of the game gets home court advantage in the finals. Easy, bud, Selig. Adrian Selig. Yeah, easy, <laughs> bud. Yeah, I can't do that. Like, nope. and most of the players aren't going to be in the finals anyways. No, now, and no one would like this either, but, I mean, if you can just kind of split the team and have them play quarters and and play hard for you know half the quarters or whatever so that they get their runs in, then you guarantee they're going to be on the court. And then, like you said, you incentivize each quarter win. And if that, again, if I'm just playing with unlimited funds, money's going to take precedence over everything. They're going to play their tails off if they know what they're getting at the end of the day or end of a quarter. But other than that, I don't think a matchup with any said player they're being compared to or otherwise is going to matter. Yeah. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Kenyon Green, um, we don't know what he's going to be in 2024. Uh, played, started a bunch of games in his rookie season in 2022. 
Uh, didn't play all that well. 2023 had the shoulder injury and never got his season started. Got placed on season-ending IR before the 2023 campaign even kicked off. We saw Juice Scruggs play left guard once he came back and was healthy. Uh, was was good there. Like, he was admirable for a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he's best long-term at center. I think center is his position. And, like, I'm I'm cool, like, just going ahead and – going ahead and, and getting my permanent marker out and saying, Scruggs, you're my starting center going into 2024. Uh, Jared Patterson held his own six-rounder at Notre Dame. To me, he's more of a backup, uh, you know, going into next season. So it makes you wonder, well, what's the plan at left guard? I think that it's critical for the Houston Texans to make up their mind on Kenyon Green before the offseason begins. Nick Casario, D'Amico Ryans, they need to get together and they need to say, okay, Kenyon Green is going to be a starter. Kenyon Green is going to compete to be a starter. Kenyon Green is a backup that's not going to be a starter. Those are your three options, and they have to make that decision before the offseason gets underway. That way they know how to handle the offseason. I don't know that they can, though, Jeremy, based on his health, right? You you just have to make sure he's 100% healthy from his surgeries and and previous and what and the the shoulder issue is the last hurdle obviously and the most recent injury but i i, I would I, argue i would argue that that tells you that it can't be a then like if, if you're telling me that you don't like they can't know where he's at that means that he can't be option a he's my starting left guard that well, means that he either needs to be he's option b where he's at best competing for a starting spot or it's option c where i'm looking at a starting left guard whether it's free agency or in the draft well but I, I, if i know that there's a way that you know he's improving his footwork and doing all these things before he can start lifting weights again or really hitting guys in live in live action again uh, then I know that at least he's been trying to work on some things too to make sure that when he does come back, it's a different Kenyon Green than we've seen. But I, I, I'm with you. Look, I'd love to have them have everything in front of them and be able to say, this is what I'm going to have to suck it up if I'm Nick Casario. If I missed on the pick, then I missed on the pick. But what's most important is going forward, I get it right. Give CJ the best opportunity to succeed and the running game and the offense. And that's what I got to do. I just don't think they're going to do that. I don't know that he's going to be ready to do that, and I think that because of where he was selected and because of what they saw when they drafted him, that it's going to go – they're not going to do that. The Texans are, are like – I think they have a chance to be good, and if you have a chance to be good, you can't go into the season with your option at left guard being, let's keep our fingers crossed. So, like, it's got to be option B or C if you don't think that there's enough well, information to tell if he's healthy. And and quite frankly, I don't think that Jarrett Patterson, Juice Scruggs, Kenyon Green is enough. Like, you, if if you want to go option B where Kenyon's fighting for a starting spot, then you, fi- you better find a veteran who is at least capable of starting at left guard. Yeah, I would find one or the other. Right, I would find either a center, a veteran center, or a veteran left guard, and I have to have that veteran know that they're going to be on this roster one way or the other, because you don't know from a health perspective if he's going to last, and you don't know where he's going to be in terms of being a viable offensive lineman in the NFL, no matter what he did at A and M. So, regardless, I think they they have to have at least one extra veteran lineman because Patterson's going to be your like as you mentioned, you're going to be your that's your insurance at center. But you need you're going to have to need not just an insur- insurance policy at left guard, but a, a left guard, a veteran left guard that's capable of starting. 
So that's why I feel like you have to make that decision now. Like, and, and if it's and if it's option C, like they they might know if it's option C. Like they they might know that Kenyon Green's not capable of being a starting left guard. I think it'd be a little unfair if he really was hurt last year. But you saw him for a good chunk of his rookie year. Yeah. Uh, you saw him in the preseason. Maybe his injury. Like, I mean, he had the surgery. Uh, but if they thought he was really good, do you place him on the season-ending IR? Or do you carry them whenever you have to cut camp and get the roster down to 53 and put them on you know, IR after the season begins and you can get them back to start of the, at some point in the year? But I just don't know the severity of what the shoulder and the surgery Same. and the recovery. But, look, I think it's pretty safe to say that what we've seen so far is pretty, at least as much as what we've seen, and we know they've seen more, that he's been a bust. And, and, and you can't – you don't throw the term around loosely, but there's no other way to put it for where he was drafted, what was expected, and what we've seen – it's a horrible proposition to have to try and evaluate other than saying he's been a bust. If that if that's what it is, though, like, what's the plan? Well, there's no way Kenyon Green could be your plan A. I think we can all agree, agree on that. There's There's got to be some sort of contingency plan because I just don't see how you can put somebody who looked like a bust in year one, didn't play in year two, in front of arguably the most important player in franchise history, C.J. Stroud. If it looked like a bust and play like a bust. Exactly. It, 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 yeah, walks like a tuck, duck, talks right. like a duck. I just don't see how you can make that your plan A. Like, if you want to say he, you, you draft a guy in the second or third round, if, if you want to sign a veteran free agent uh, and have Kenyon Green compete with him and Kenyon Green wins the job, then great. If he, yeah. if he earns the job, then he earns the job and put him out there. But, I mean, C.J. Stroud, I'll say it again, I think he's the most important player in franchise history at this point, and I'm not putting somebody out there that we're labeling as a bust in front of him yeah, if, if I have another option. You, you, you should still be back. There's plenty of general managers that are hell-bent on their, their way, and they were right on a, on a draft pick. Sure. That, there's, that there is a scenario where he is option A. Yeah, there could be, but we saw. I mean, I, I think you could make the case that if if Nick Asario was a type that type of GM that would have been hell bent on being right on his player, then Damian Pierce would have never moved out of the starting lineup. Like Damian Pierce was relegated to what one carry a game over but the second half. But it's different if season. you miss on a fourth round running back as opposed True. to you're not wrong a first round I, guard. I, I just think that this shows some ability from Nick Asario to move on when he thought he might be wrong. Yeah, I, I just I think it's bad GMing if you operate that way. And I agree with what Brian said, too, that that C.J. Stroud is the most important player Mm -hmm. in franchise history. And if you have a chance to be a playoff team, and some people are saying that this could be the start of the Houston Texans Super Bowl window, I don't think you can have that that, that kind of uncertainty at guard uh, where you're just like, okay, this guy's our starter because he's near three and he's a former first-rounder. I think that that is – Bad logic. And I've seen people have this thought. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about you, right. uh, Blankers. Some people are like, well, you've already spent too much on offensive line. You can't spend any more, so what you got is what you got. What kind of logic is that? That's, that's, that's silly logic. You want to be a winner or do you want to lose? And if you want to win, then you need to be making the best decisions for your football team based on the information you have today, not because you drafted a guy in the first round a couple of years ago. You have to cut bait if you have to cut bait. Look what San Francisco did with Trey Lance. Like They were mm-hmm. like, okay, Mr. Irrelevant is a better player than the the guy that we traded up for and we're going to sell Trey Lance for pennies on the dollar that way we're all in on Mr. Irrelevant that's that's like you can make the case well that's bad drafting uh, but you can also make the case that that's great evaluation and then they were they moved on at the right time see and the scarier thing to me guys is the fact that when Nick Casario came out in the press conference to admit he knew that it was not an if it was a when Kenyon Green's shoulder was going to go he didn't make a contingency plan. He didn't have insurance on the roster. And only after it went 
did he go scrambling to try and find replacements to try and, and, and rectify the problem when all it essentially did was completely discombobulate the, the continuity of your entire offensive line, moving guys out of their natural positions? Yep, seven one three seven eight zero ESP and HRMP listener line uh, six eight three seven. The Steeler left guard we got was pretty good when he played. That was Kendrick Green. Uh, he's still under he's still under contract. I don't know if that's what you want to go into next offseason, though, where you have Kendrick Green and Kenyon Green fighting for left guard. No, I, I think you can make an upgrade there. Uh, whether it's and a hopefully there are teams to your guys' point too, but they want to play with CJ. They know that this is a winning franchise going forward. And it's a, probably a better system and environment for them to get into, especially and it depends on the offers they get, sure, too, as part of it. But was it white hair from the Bears? Now, he might cost a little bit more, but he's a former all-pro uh, guard that could come into a winning environment and go, yeah, I'd like to f- be the final piece to that puzzle. And I don't even think it t- necessarily takes, like, the top price free agent to to necessarily fix this position. I mean, the best offensive line the Texans ever had running a similar system under Gary Kubiak their guards were Mike Brizel and Wade Smith, who weren't exactly top was of the market. Wasn't Chris Myers the center? Chris Myers was the center, exactly. So we're not talking, other than Dwayne Brown at, at left tackle and Eric Winston, who was the third-round pick, you're not talking about a lot of highly invested in players. So this system, the zone scheme, if you can find someone who specifically fits mm-hmm. it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the top you know, price free agent on the market. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Some have said the Texans had the top-ranked rookie class. How can you argue? I mean, they had the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. Is it time for the Killer Bees to eat crow? 713-780-ESPN. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's Blank. I am Branham. Nocho's tweeting about uh, Houston basketball. He said a lot of things about the Texas-Houston game prior to the Houston-Texas game, and he hadn't said anything since. I noticed that about Ocho. He was also all over Marquette this Saturday to keep it close with UConn. How'd that work out? Yeah. 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line. It's funny. It's uh, Brian McDonald is going to be our producer now. Uh, Joe George no longer uh, producing our show for a variety of reasons. Wink, wink. Uh, still with the station, but... Uh, the, um, you wouldn't the, allow it. <laughs> I don't mean I don't want to be a diva, but yeah, he called well, me I mean, talentless. Let's, let's just call it like it is. He called me talentless. He thought he was going to get away with that. Come on. Come on now. We are the talent. He is the producer. Uh, anyways, uh, the Texans had the top-ranked rookie class. Is it time for the Killer Bees to eat crow? It's funny we're doing this on Brian's first day. Um, now, I've, I've been known. I've, I was the one that on draft day during the draft show. I said today is going to be a day that could live in infamy. But my, but Brian cut off my microphone. He didn't let me finish the <laughs> sentence in which I said it would, they would live in infamy for the rest of the NFL. He cut my mic. Oh, and it, you yeah. Know, that's that's what, clearly what happened. That's yeah. what, exactly what happened. But anyways, NFL.com ranked the uh, top rookie classes of this past year. and I mean, how could it not be the Texans? They had the offensive rookie of the year. They had the defensive rookie of the year. 
I would argue that Pittsburgh shouldn't have been two and that the Rams should have been two. Like, I don't know how the Rams aren't two. Like, you Especially drafted Byron two Young. Two third-rounders, yeah. They, yeah, they both, they both had, like, almost double-digit sacks. One of them might have. And then you got Puka Nakua in the fifth yeah. round, yep. like, who was second in offensive rookie of the year. How in the world are the Rams third in the Steelers? I mean, Steelers, good draft, but Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Darnell Washington was kind of meh. How does that over the Rams? I, I just – I have a – like, of this list – I put the lines above the Steelers, too. Yeah. I, I was going to – I was – that's – I mean, how do you not with Jameer Gibbs and and Sam Porter? Plus, we've spent so much time looking at what they did and, and how they constructed that team with the picks they had. It's it was pretty impressive. Did the Rams have their first this year? Yeah, the Rams' first pick was round two. Steve Avila. Yeah, so they no. traded away their first. It was part of all the trades when they were giving Probably away all their for picks. Stafford, maybe. Yeah, that's part. Well, Stafford and others when they got Jalen Ramsey, Stafford when they were putting that def- with all those pieces together to get over the top. They were giving away first-round picks left and right. That's why it's impressive that they didn't have a first and still got the players they got. You could say Green Bay had a better draft than Pittsburgh. Certainly hit on the number of wide receivers. Well, I think two Luke wide Mus- receivers. Yeah, yeah, two wide receivers. Luke Musgrave looked pretty good at moments. Uh, Tucker Craft looked pretty good at moments. Yeah, Van Ness was the guy that was kind of eh. Yeah, you know, yeah, the first-round pick. With yeah. Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba? Yep. yep. How in the world are the Steelers second? This kind of ticks me off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's a who, who. Where's this from? The NFL.com. NFL.com. I mean, you know, reputable, right? Well, Eric Edholm and Chad. I don't know. They hired Lance. Yeah, I was gonna say we got to <laughs> say that we got a guy on staff. I mean, I like Eric Edholm a lot. Chad Reuter's mocks are kind of goofy. Edholm and um, um, Eric Edholm and who's the big Bears fan? Rank Adam Rank. He's a big Bear fan. I yeah. like Adam Rank too. Actually. Yeah, those two guys have been on the show NFL, uh, shows previously. NFL does a good. I, I'm a big fan of NFL.com. I think they put together. I'm not just saying that because of Lance. Like I think they put together really good content. Like there's some. Like I think Reuter's a little goofy. Uh, I like Cynthia Freeland, but she's very analytical, so it yeah. leads to like some kind of quirky things. But I mean that's kind of her shtick. Uh, anyways, the, the Texans are one. Is it time for the Killer Bees to eat crow? We were pretty critical the day after the draft uh, for what the Texans gave up. So should we eat crow a little bit today, Blankers? Well, I mean. I don't think we have to get the knife and fork just yet. Obviously, after one year, it looks very good because of the fact that the Texans won a lot of football games. I didn't anticipate that happening. I thought that I thought that pick was going to be a lot higher because I didn't think that the, the Texans were going to be that good. Um, the fact that they hit on the guys they did, but if you don't take Will Anderson, you could also say that they could have had some pretty good football players that would have helped them in areas where they were lacking a little bit. But yeah, I think I think we're sitting at the table. I'm sitting at the table, and I've got the ketchup out because right now it, just goes on everything. it doesn't look like it's really going my my way. Would you rather have Will Anderson or Jameer Gibbs? That's the enough? conversation we always have. That that's why I said that's why we're not knife and fork yet. The, the thing is, though, you don't know that that's what the Texans would have done, and, and the Texans very well probably don't do that. Like, I have a hard I mean, time. Even if it is, though, you take pass rush over a running back every day of the week. But would you take pass rush over Gibbs and Laporta? I still would, yeah. I think pass rusher is the second most important position after after quarterback. I, I do too. I, I think it's I think it's super. I think it's close, but I probably lean Anderson too. To be yeah, honest. and I but think the, the other thing, the, Jeremy. Excuse me, but the one thing I was going to add to that that came up because when you said Green Bay is one of the guys that was hot on our list that they should consider was Van Ness, and yep. Van Ness didn't do a damn thing. Yeah, see, like we can we can position it to where you passed on Gibbs and Laporta, or you gave up Gibbs and Laporta, but it very well could have been Lucas Van Ness yep. and then Laporta, or even like a bust there. So, I mean, you get 
you know, bird in hand, right? Right. So, yeah, I think the Texans, end of the day, got it right. One thing that I won't backtrack from, though, is the Texans paid a high price to move up to number three. No I am not going to backtrack off of that. Don't mean uh, The Jimmy Johnson trade chart, whether you want to look at some of these other trade charts, the, the Texans gave up more than what you should for number three. That is, that's a fact. That's not an opinion. But I also think it's a compliment to Will Anderson. And this is where, like, you know, just accept that the Texans gave up a lot to move up to number three because Nick Casario was standing on the table and was willing to overspin for a player he thought was really, really good. And Will Anderson was really, really good. So they overspent, but was Will Anderson worth the overspend? After 17 games in a rookie season, I'm willing to say yes. Yeah, look, I, I think D'Amico had to say so in that too, right? Probably. Because, you know, not only where he went to school, but the position that he played and the fact that new in the building, they wanted it. He's going to have a pretty loud voice, and he liked what he saw. So, look, uh, I, I trust those guys to be the smartest guys in the room, and if they were on the same page and they got the guy that they truly wanted to have and he played the way he did in his rookie year, yeah, it, it obviously looks like I, I was expecting when we were having these conversations, one, I, I agree with you, I think they gave up too much. But I and I don't know that they had to. Well, maybe we never know that. But at the same time, I was expecting Marvin Harrison Jr. or a top five type pick is what you were giving up when you didn't do that because of how the team performed. It changed everything right for for, for probably the rest of the the time we discussed the trade. That's that's the caveat to that too, because you're right. Like now, if you talk about Gibbs, Laporta, Marvin Harrison Jr., now that's the huge swing of this conversation. So not only did you like overspend to trade up, but you got the pick right. You overspent, traded up for the right guy. So you stood on the table. You doubled down for Will Anderson, got it right. So credit Casario there. Like even if he had to overspend a little bit, you still got the guy that you wanted, and it came to fruition. And then the team's success really played your way out of this conversation because if it was a Marvin Harrison Jr. type now you're looking at Gibbs Laporta Marvin Harrison for Will Anderson that's that's not that's great. a totally that's, different yes. discussion versus you know Gibbs Laporta and that's best case scenario and it's not you know guarantee that they go best case scenario but if you do Gibbs Laporta you know Brian said he would still take Will Anderson over those two and I kind of lean that way too and then now you're talking about pick 20 in the NFL draft so that's a lot different than Gibbs Laporta pick four in the NFL draft yeah I mean that's why again I'm happy I was wrong from the standpoint it was a very enjoyable season and the sky's the limit now but if I, I, I was under the mentality of you were dealing with a top five caliber pick as well as other players to fill other positions that you sorely need and looked like you were almost desperate to get, so that's why I questioned it. Yeah, tip of the cap. Tip of the cap to Nick Casario and D'Amico. 713-780-ESPN, a day that would live in infamy for the rest of the NFL. I wish you didn't cut the mic, Brian. I really wish you didn't do that. 713-780-3776. Every now and then, depending on the day, it's a will of bits. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get with the Will of Bits. What's coming up today? It's next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's the Killer Bees, and that means you have no idea what's happening next. Could it be the next great food debate? A jewel rent for the ages? Or maybe Jeremy will call for a bounty gate on someone? Well, let's find out. It's time for the Wheel of Bits. Oh, my goodness, would you look at that. What an enormous spin. Let's play Is It Bush League? What an enormous spin. Uh, is that the same voice that normally does the... No, no, I changed it up a little bit. Oh, okay. I was about to say, I could have sworn it was a man. 
<laughs> it's no longer a man. He sounds a little different today. Yeah, he sounded like a British lady. <laughs> it did, okay. Thought it added a little bit of elegance to the I don't show. have the best hearing, uh, Brian. You'll learn that about me. I, I, I don't either. I'm losing my hearing at my old age. Um, so I, I was just making sure. All right, what we got today? What, what uh, Bush League or not, that's what she Yeah, Bush said. League or not. And we're going to start off with the NBA All-Star Game, and specifically someone uh, from uh, Joel's hometown, uh, Milwaukee Bucks. The Damian Lillard openly gunning for <laughs> MVP I thought was questionable, and I'll go ahead and put it out there. I thought it was Bush League. So if you didn't see, Dame said after after the game that he was uh, – he fully admitted I, he was going for the MP, MVP he said, quote, my first start, I'm going to be on the floor a lot. Why not try to go get MVP? And responded to criticism after the game, uh, especially with the Pacers fans booing him because he <laughs> wouldn't give the ball to Tyrese Halliburton, the home, hometown hero. He said, quote, I expect it. We're in his hometown. We're in his building. He had a great game. But it's an honor, and I've been here quite a few times to have this type of accomplishment and special. So when you look into the box score, Dame, as we mentioned in the, a few segments ago, not only does he take 26 shots to Halliburton's 15 and Dame's 26 shots led the East, but he's also taking half-court half court, uh, three-pointers. Making, them, making them. He, he is making them. But it's Multiple. Just, it's just it's it's an all-star game. It's an exhibition. Like I, To me, bad teammate. Dame should have given the ball to Tyrese Halliburton. Try to get him the award. Brian, I, I, I'd say it's Bush League. You're going to have to learn that you're going to have to be – if you're going to fit in here with these kind of takes, you're going to have to fit in with the kind of research that my partner does by going to the All-22s and making sure they were on the court at the same time When before you start throwing these outlandish allegations that he wasn't <laughs> throwing Halliburton the ball. Because the bottom line is this is what we're talking about for the overall game. More people that care enough to try and win the MVP by trying to make baskets, by trying to impress people, by doing the things that Damian Lillard did. Halliburton played great too. At least those two guys were trying hard. That's what the, that's what we're discussing today. How many guys didn't, wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't, and, and they would, didn't want to get hurt. So I don't think it was Bush League at all. The only reason why he said that about Halliburton was because Ernie put him on the spot and said, do you hear that? You're being booed in Indiana for winning the MVP. So I don't think that he did it with Halliburton in mind. And at least he was trying hard. I think I'll watch too much of the All-Star game. I'm not watching the all 10 of the NBA All-Star game. I can promise you that. Uh, it's hard for me to have hot takes about the NBA, the actual NBA All-Star game. Like, I'll give you some hot takes on how to fix the All-Star game and, like, all that stuff. But in terms of the actual play during the All-Star game, couldn't care less. Lamont called me out earlier for, for when we were talking about those Astros 26-man, like, all-time uh-huh. roster for using All-Stars as a barometer. He's 100% right. I shouldn't have done that. He caught me. I'm not, I don't use All-Star games as barometers. I don't use it for feathers in the cap. I don't use it for accolades. I don't care about All-Star games, whether who's playing in it, whether who won the MVP, whether who's jacking up half-court shots, whether who's jacking up three-quarter court shots. I don't care about the All-Star game. Not having hot takes about the All-Star game. I think it's Bush League we even brought up the All-Star game. <laughs> well, Jeremy, I got you. This is a precursor for what to expect going forward on Fridays with who said it. I got you because I did watch enough of it, and I dropped the... Hammered him for $18.43. <laughs> That's 
it's the killer bees right at you, Brian. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Hammer. All right, so if you didn't find that Bush League, let's see if you find this Bush League also in the world of basketball. Rick Pitino, I don't know if he's just at the age, I think he's 71 now, where he just doesn't care what he says anymore, but uh, he's not having a good season right now with St. John's and following a one-point road loss to Creighton. Uh, he, he, well, this is actually earlier this season. He started, uh, he poo-pooed the idea of moral victories by saying he wanted to jump into the cold and die of frostbite. <laughs> and he's followed that up with, uh, another loss. St. John's fell at home to Seton Hall. And he called his first season in the clip we're about to hear with the Johnnies the most enjoyable season experience in, of his lifetime. We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. I think they're very respectful. They hear, but they don't listen. It's taken me a month to get them to throw bounce passes. Actually, two months to throw bounce passes. Even the Celtics, when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Do you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. We are so... So, so yeah, I mean, Rick Bettino just fully burying his team more than I think I've heard from a coach in a long time. He called guys out, right? Yeah, he called that. So we don't hear it in this clip, and he also calls out specific players. There's a quote here that I'll read you. He talks about, uh, so he's talking about uh, Joel uh, Serrano's. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. My my fault. He's talking about him being slow laterally. He talks about another player on his team, (laughs) Chris uh, Ledlam. He's slow laterally. He calls Sean Conway slow laterally. And then he goes on to a guy named uh, Drissa. And he calls him physically weak. I mean, yeah. he just goes out. He buries the team as a whole. He buries the players individually. He's still got more games to coach this year. I think he's basically letting everybody know, enjoy your time at St. John's this year. And maybe you should think about the portal very, very maybe seriously. Because so. he's got a whole new crew coming in next year. And it ain't going to be you. See, I, I kind of disagree with that. I don't feel I, I feel like if he's doing that, like if he's going to move on from his players, I don't think he throws them under the bus like that. I think that he actually is thinking long term here. I, I think he's looking Media. at those guys of having like like being here for another year or another two, and he's kind of going through the media to like bring the best out of them. Like, you know, like, I, I, think I, I will it's like say, a last resort to get yeah, them maybe, to change. Maybe. And I will say it's Bush League. Like, I don't think you should be calling out players by name specifically uh, when you're talking about these things. Now, I don't have a problem with a coach telling the truth. Like, we, we always want the coach to tell us the truth. We make fun of coach speak, and then when a coach tells us the truth, we ridicule the truth. So, like, I'm in favor of the truth. I don't know if I'll, I'll go Bush League with calling out specific players individually though because you can say like our team's having trouble playing defense we're not athletic you know the bounce pass stuff like I'm okay with that where where I think it gets a little bush league is the uh when you're calling out players I will also say I don't think that they're having a terrible year you they're 14 and 12 this year six and nine in big east play last year they were 18 and 15 7 and 13 in Big East play, and they played a tougher at a conference. Mm-hmm. So I think, and it's only year one of Rick Patino. So actually, I think he's got that program going in the right direction. And I would actually say it's an improving year than a year before. We've talked about this. I think JVG is one of those guys that, as a coach, uses the media as a pawn to get points across. I I would say that that's where I would start. You could say your team played a certain way. But you would save the individual criticism for a film session when it's just you yeah. and yeah, the if team he says watching these things the game. in the locker room. That's a whole yeah, different conversation. Completely, because that's what coaching is supposed to do. Sure. That's, you're trying to better your player and improve them in that such a way. But it's one thing to say NBA players that have played paid a ton of money 
you're going to face criticism, and if the coach decides to air it out in the media as a way to get it through to you, so be it. But these are college-age kids. I know they are getting paid now, but at the same time, this is something you do behind closed doors, and you, and you point out the flaws of a player so that they can get better. But doing it so that he gets embarrassed, I think it's too far. Especially since it's it's one thing to say a player didn't play well or he didn't execute this play or he didn't do this correctly. I mean, his criticisms are, are you're slow <laughs> and you're weak. It's talking about physical attributes that like maybe they guy. can lift some more weights, but it's, this, is, these, this is your team. But he's it's, also old school. Yeah, he is. very old school. We were. Uh, I, I like this kind of stuff. Like I, I. I oh, you just like drama. I, I yeah. will, you're right. I do. I like entertainment too. Like this is entertaining. Like we're talking about it. It would be. We would never talk about Rick Pitino's post game show or post game press conference if he was like, "Yeah, we just didn't play well today. We just didn't shoot well today. We'll try better next time." So you're right. I do like the entertainment aspect of sport, uh, but I like it when people tell it like it is. Uh, I am a fan of that. Uh, do I think he crossed the line here? Yeah, that's why I'll call it. Uh, I'll call it bush league, but. Um, we we played in that Charleston Classic, Houston did, and St. John's was on the other side of the bracket, didn't play them, but they played like right before us, I think twice. So I went I went and watched him coach those two games. And yeah, he what he's saying publicly to the media is an ounce of what he's telling those players when they walk to the bench. No, yeah, he's he doesn't hold back. I mean, there's a dude that has always been known for his temper, uh, temper and the fact that he's going to go at his players and it's his way or the highway. So I would expect all of that and more to happen behind closed doors. I would not expect that any coach should put a kid through that in the media. So we all went uh, We all went uh, Bush, Bush League. League. Yeah, unanimous. Yeah. Do we think St. John's going to be better next year? I do. <laughs> I yeah, because they won't have these players. I think they're going to be in the tournament next year. Well, plus, he's got he's sitting in this in New York, and you don't think that if Rick Pitino comes knocking on a kid's door and wants him to, to and he gets a couple of recruits from the city of New York to go to St. John's and help him resurrect the program, maybe I mean, not going to buy old, in. Eighteen, nineteen-year-old kids coming in—they didn't see his Kentucky teams. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna go where the money's at. Let's be honest. Well, but I think that he's also the kind of guy that has un, he's got enough connections that he can drum up some cash too. That's probably accurate. Um. And he's going to coach. Like he, he's a really good coach. Like he's yep. going to win with a little bit less uh, than others. I mean, good coaching. You know, give me if, if one thing I can have in college basketball, good coach. Good you coach got one too. Over so anything you, else, you know exactly. Give me that. Good coach. Yep. I'll take good coach over anything, everything, facilities, money, uh, talent on the roster. Good coach, first and foremost. He'll get he'll get every ounce out yep. of every player, no matter how good they are. He'll and, and he'll probably get you all that other stuff that you eventually want. You know, he'll he'll get yep. you that arena eventually. He'll give you the facilities eventually. He'll give you the roster eventually. Good coach first and foremost. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Those are our will of bits. Do you think it was Bush League for Dame gunning for the MVP or Rick Pitino burying his roster? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Car wreck of the day. What are you nominating for our car wreck of the day? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees. ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my bookie. My bookie knows that even though there's not NBA games tonight, there's college basketball. There's a big one in this city. There's lots of games going on all the time, and you can bet on the, on them at mybookie.ag. I always tell you to bet with them because of the fact that they take care of their clients. They make sure your money is safe and secure, and they make sure they pay out. They give you bonuses all the time uh, just for being a mybookie customer by using our promo code BET975. Whenever you see an opportunity to use that code, I just had a friend do it the other day. They texted 
texted me. They said, what was your code again? They used it. They're like, oh, my God, this is awesome. More money in my account. And just like you said, more games I can bet on, more chances to win. That's the beauty of it. And even better than that, when there's games that aren't going on because it's a certain time of the night or morning, but you just feel like gambling a little bit, where's your casino? Good news, mybookie.ag. Live dealers standing by to play casino games like roulette, blackjack, poker, and so much more. It's in the flesh dealers so that you can play casino games without having to go to the casino. It's fantastic. Just go to mybookie.ag and get started. Click on those bonuses to see all the great ways to turn your deposit into bonus cash. You know the one that we always tell you to use, Bet975. Turn your space into your casino with mybookie.ag. Use our promo code Bet975. Do what I always tell you to do. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag. Promo code Bet975. You all right? <laughs> my leg is broken. The oh, bounce coming through. Let me see. Let me see. Ah, ah, you ah, ball, you brick. Where's my money? This is the Car Wreck of the Day, brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. It is time for our Car Wreck of the Day. He's Blank on Branham. Blankers, why don't you lead us off? What are you nominating first? Well, this is the easiest one of all. This is the NBA All-Star Game yesterday, and the fact that it was an unwatchable complete layup line with no defense played and a whole lot of not want to. Yeah. Period. End of story. <laughs> There's, I, I've been clamoring for the days of the NBA to go back to where the average point scored in a game is 100. I feel like that's the sweet spot. I, I feel like the middle should be 100. The median, the average, all of it. It should be 100 points. If, you're, if you have more than 100 points in a night, you're above average. Below 100 points, a little bit below average. To have over 200 points, I know it was an all-star game, it made me sick. I wanted to throw up. It's, um, yeah, and I'm trying to think, you know, at least if you did the best players in the game in the dunk contest, that's one thing. But you can resurrect the dunk contest, three-point contest, I agree with you. Even the Steph and, and uh, uh, the, the, the shooting contest with Sabrina was fantastic. And yeah, you could fun. actually elaborate on that. But you either got to come up with a whole lot of more fun contests like that, or you got to try to do something to motivate players where only money motivates them. And I don't know how much money the league's willing to throw at them. Yeah, I would just get if um, I'd rather them not play it than play it the way they did last night and just make the NBA All Star festivity night the the, the main event. Yeah, because I it. actually believe that the four quarter thing at least made it more competitive, and it was at least a little bit better basketball to watch. But last night was unwatchable. I want to nominate Jalen Brown and the judges of the NBA dunk contest specifically. Jalen Brown should have never been in the finals. No business being there. That little left-hand windmill dunk, it was cute because he had the glove and whatever. The windmill was a a 25% windmill. It was an awful windmill. Secondly, you had people jumping over Shaq. Over Shaq. And Jalen Brown jumped over a YouTuber who was sitting in a chair. And he went to the finals Give me a break. You're jumping. Some people are jumping over Shaq. Shaq, one of the greatest centers and one of the biggest centers that we've ever seen. Shaq. And then Jalen Brown's jumping over a YouTuber who's sitting in a chair and but gets the same sort the of love. Chairing? Like 5'4". <laughs> like 5'4". How does Jalen Brown get good marks on a, on a dunk over a YouTuber in a chair as opposed to other guys jumping over Shaq and Mac McClung jumping over somebody who's on somebody else's shoulders? Standing shoulders. Yeah, Mac McClung ran away with it. Everybody was playing for second, but Mac McClung was impressive, and Jalen Brown not so much. How, but he went to the finals. You know like why? They awarded because that he was dunk the biggest name they've much. had in the damn thing for probably five years. He jumped over a YouTuber in a chair. You think maybe it was fixed? You think maybe it was fixed to get the biggest star in the finals to keep people watching? It's a good possible. Call. 
It's a good call. Brian, what you got? Uh, I want to go with the NFL.com rookie draft class, draft class rankings that we talked about earlier that had the Steelers number two ahead of the Rams and the, and the Packers and the Seahawks and a lot of other draft classes that were way better than what the Steelers had. Let's just be honest. I mean, there might be a lot of watered-down talent after Lance Zerline and a few others that we mentioned. <laughs> they might need, they might Maybe need Lance to needs them. to take over these I mean, rookie power I mean, you heard Lance talking about this the other day. He said Gilbert wanted a, a, some kind of swag from the NFL Network. Well, he always quit. wants a hat from everywhere well, they go. But he said they quit giving it to him. He said he can't find shirts, vests, hats, nothing. Although he was wearing one today. But, you know, maybe, maybe, that's, just maybe that was just to fend off Gilbert. That's interesting. NFL makes too much money to not give him a, a good swag bag. Maybe it's this new like merger thing though they got going with ESPN. Maybe that's maybe. factoring into the equation, or maybe they're just not giving things to their non-television talent. But he's on, on TV, TV for the combine. He's on TV every year, yeah. rarely, like what once or twice. Oh, during the combine and during the draft at certain is, points. Is Lance more behind the computer type talent or on the camera talent? I mean, just look at him. He, he is a face <laughs> for behind the computer evaluation. He's got a face for offensive lineman scouting exactly and radio. Exactly right. <laughs> Exactly yeah. right. What else you guys got? Uh, Can we nominate the Nets? Yeah, I was going to nominate Jock Vaughn or the Nets is fine. Eight and twenty-three stretch. Plus, it kind of screws with the Rockets, but it, it could go one of two ways. They could they get could worse. Get the Rockets. They could get could. worse with Kevin Ollie, or they could get a little spark and spring in their step to try and make a push late in the season. I love how Kevin Ollie sued UConn. And I think won his case or settled his case. I believe he did UConn win. UConn was giving like bad information. was like they were ratting out Kevin Ollie because they wanted to fire Kevin Ollie and fire him with cause instead of paying him the rest of his contract. And he had he had a bunch of his ex, of ex players at UConn supporting him. And plus, he, didn't he win a national? He either got he wanted, there. No, he, he did. He won a national title. championship yeah, his first year. Yeah. It was his first year. And then they were awful after that. Yeah. They, I think they did the right thing because Hurley's doing a pretty good job on the Natty last year. Uh, Anthony Rendon, I'm going to nominate him. Oh, my God. Uh, right. He says baseball has never been a priority, which, hey, that's I mean that's your prerogative. That's fine, but you're still going to be nominated for the car wreck of the day. Uh, one thing I will say on this, it's okay to have players on your team that are motivated by money. It's perfectly okay to have players on your team that are motivated by money before they make their money. The moment that they're making money – they're, they're as good, they're useless. They're no longer going to be good play, baseball players or good athletes at all. Uh, once Anthony Rendon got paid, he mailed it in. He doesn't care about baseball. A hang is going to be money. six months. If, if you, hey, look, it's fine to have a guy with, that, that cares about money, but you better have him on your team before he makes his money. Well, it's a good call because to me, reading that and reading all those quotes, it's like he must not have anybody around him giving him advice. Even if you feel that way, when you're making as much money as he's made, and I think he's only averaging about 50 games a year since he became an angel, mm-hmm. like, that's the worst look you could possibly put out there. C.J. Stroud, too. C.J. Stroud's three-point shot. It's broken. He's got a broke shot. All right, what's winning? It's got to be the All-Star, All-Star game, game, right? Yeah, yeah it's unanimous. Yeah. NBA All-Star game. Congratulations. You're the car wreck of the day. Car wreck of the year. All right, it's going to do it for us. Great job, Brian. Upgraded at producer, that's for sure. Brian McDonald doing all the hard work behind the glass. He's blank. I'm Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. Soccer Matters with Glenn Davis up next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.